helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled, Freedom from Condemnation. In today's show, Michael will be using the biblical story of the woman caught in the act of adultery, found in John 8, verses 3 to 11, to talk about how to find freedom from condemnation. If you are new to this show, we are on the air every Monday morning at 9.30 a.m., You can find out more about our not-for-profit organization by going to elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-544-3546. Let's go right into today's show where Michael is teaching on freedom from condemnation. If you are like the rest of us, you have probably done things in your life that you are ashamed of. Most of us are able to ask forgiveness of God and of others that we have wronged and move on in life with a sense of forgiveness and freedom. But for others of us, we feel stuck in this place of condemnation that we cannot seem to let go of, and we are haunted by the mistakes of the past. It is as if these mistakes take on a life of their own and follow us through life, reminding us how unworthy we are of love, of how others would reject us if they only knew who we really are and how even God is mad at us despite the fact that we have long repented of those sins and have moved on in our lives. Some deliverance ministries call this the spirit of condemnation, and today I'm speaking on the topic freedom from condemnation. And for my text, I'm using John chapter 8, verse 3 to 10, where this woman was condemned by the religious authorities of her day. And she she was taken to God in this atmosphere of condemnation where they are saying to Jesus, this woman deserves to be punished for the sins that she have committed. But let's read the text because we'll get a better picture of all that is involved here. And I'm going to be taking little pieces from this text and we'll be explaining them from a biblical and from a theolo- from a, a psychological perspective to bring out gems of truth that is going to help you to find freedom from condemnation. So in John chapter 8, verse 3 to 10, 3 to 11, we read, Certain of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and, and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, 
Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So I want to talk about two types of condemnation as I go through this passage. And, And the first kind of condemnation we see here is condemnation from others. These religious authorities brought this woman to Jesus and they're accusing her of a sin that in biblical times was punishable by being stoned to death. And so here is this woman standing in this place, being condemned by her community, being brought before Jesus for judgment. So in this first type of condemnation, we see that it is this religious crowd that was condemning this woman. She was being condemned by others. As I said, that's the first type of condemnation I want to talk about today, condemnation by others. Now, what is behind condemnation? What drives people who condemn others, who stand as self-righteous themselves and point out the flaws and the failures of others? There are some people that they're quick to condemn. They're quick to judge and they're quick to, to point out the weaknesses and the flaws of others. Psychologists tell us that people who or, or have this this insistence on pointing out flaws in others and condemning others that these people might be guilty of a defense mechanism that psychologists called call projection now projection is the psychological defense mechanism that people use to cope with their own difficult feelings or emotions that they cannot stand in themselves. And so instead of dealing with the fact that, you know, I have these thoughts that are sinful, I have these things within me that rise up from time to time and make me fall into sin and I have to deal with it. Instead of doing that, religious people or the people who are guilty of this this projection, this psychological defense mechanism of projection, what they will do to to soothe themselves and to get rid of that accusing conscience is that they will point out the mistakes in others. They will zero in on that same fault that they see in others, and they will be perturbed by it. They will be upset by it. They will demonstrate over it. They will preach sermons about it, but they themselves are guilty of the very thing. Jesus refers to this tendency in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 to 5, when he said, 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? This is Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 to 5. And this is this is what projection, the psychological defense mechanism of projection is. It is people who are pointing out the sins in others that they themselves are guilty of. And so in this passage, we see this defense mechanism playing out. These Pharisees, these self-righteous ones who got this woman and brought her to Jesus and were pointing out her sin that she is guilty of adultery. And Jesus did something very powerful here. In the passage, we are told that he stooped down and he began to write on the ground. And that as he began to write on the ground, they started to leave one by one, the oldest first and then the youngest. So they were leaving by age. There's a lot going on here that we have to look at some of the Greek words in the passage to understand what is happening. You see, in the Greek, the normal word for write is graphene, G-R-A-P-H-E-I-N. So if you were talking about Jesus just writing anything, on the ground, that word would be used. But instead of the word graphene, the Greek word that is used in the manuscript is the Greek word katagraphene, K-A-T-A-G-R-A-P-H-E-I-N. And what katagraphene means, it means to write down a record against someone. So what Jesus was doing as he stooped down and was writing on the ground is that he was writing out the sins, a record against the very people who were condemning this woman. So I can just imagine these righteous people who are so up in arms that this woman should be punished. And Jesus just stooped down and he began to write, okay, John, your sin, you have committed adultery X number of times. Okay, Michael, you have committed adultery X number of time. Okay, Paul, you're here to stone this woman to death. You have committed adultery X number of times. And as these men begin to see their the record against them, the cartographian against them being written on the ground, the Bible tells us that they begin to walk away one by one, the oldest first. Now, why did the oldest walk away first? Well, it's quite possible that their record of sin was even more more significant and more numerous than the younger men in the group. You know, when you're young and you're zealous for Christ and you are zealous about religious things, you can get into this 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 state where you think you will never do anything wrong and you will never sin and you can be quick to condemn others. But the older you get, the more mistakes you make, the more you, you realize that you have a record of sin that is piling up against you. And so 
how these older men, when they saw their cartography and their record of sin that was been that was been written on the ground, they were the first one to leave. <laughs> In other words, I better get out of here before this gets more personal. And so they left one by one. So I'm saying all of this to say, if you are being condemned by others, it is good for you to say to yourself, it is not about me. They are condemning me because of their own issues. Can you imagine if Jesus were to attend some of our board meetings where we are condemning others for pornography and punishing them and then he would 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 cartography and he would we would start to write the records of our wrongs so you would say board member so and so you are guilty of the very thing that you're you're, you're punishing this person for. And I think if he would, were to attend many of these meetings, then many of us who are self-righteous and condemning others, we would have to leave these meetings in the same way that the, these men, these religious Pharisees, had to walk out one by one. And so they were projecting their own, projecting their own sin on others. Now, the other thing about condemnation from others is that condemnation from others stem, stems from us dehumanizing other people and seeing them as categories. So we tend to see people as categories such as adulterers or sinners. And so these people, these, these religious leaders and Pharisees, they saw this woman in the category of an adulterer. And they didn't see her as a person, as a person who had a name, as a person who had feelings. And so they were ready to humiliate her in this, in this public way and to, to, to score a religious point with Jesus by proving that Jesus was wrong. So in other words, they were using her like a pawn, like a, like a pawn to win a religious game. And they forgot that this woman is a person. Dr. Paul Turnier, in his book, A Doctor's Casebook, comments on the personalization of the Bible. He refers to the God who said to Moses, I know you by name in Exodus 33 verse 17 and to Cyrus king of Persia in Isaiah 45 verse 3 when God said to him, it is I the God of Israel who call you by your name. The Bible is full of pages and pages of people, even the people that we look down on, that God has, has given a name. People such as Rahab, the, the prostitute in Joshua chapter 2. God did not see her as a number, as, as a foreigner in a foreign country. God gave her a name. She is Rahab. And so we see Lazarus, the beggar, also having a name in Luke chapter 16. And I think people are condemning of others because they fail to see them as human beings with feelings and to see them as a category. I'm saying to us as religious people that we can let go of the spirit of condemnation if we begin to see people like we see ourselves, realize that these people are just like us. In the Bible, say, do unto others as you would like them to do 
on to you. So, so far we have covered the first type of condemnation, condemnation by others. And we're going to move on now to talk about the second kind of condemnation, which is self-condemnation. I hope you have been enjoying the show so far. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Live Transformation Show where psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been using the example of the woman caught in the act of adultery in John 8, 3-11 to teach on the topic Freedom from Condemnation. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Back to Michael. So self-condemnation is when we ourselves condemn condemn ourselves. So this is found in the passage in verse 9 and 10, where we can see this lady is also condemning herself. And it might not be immediately obvious from the text, but if we do a deep reading of this text, we can see the self-condemnation. And I'm going to read those two verses, and then I'm going to to show you from that the self-condemnation, which is the second thing we want to talk about today, the second type of condemnation. In verse 9 and 10, we read, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And that is what I want to talk about, that phrase that say, still standing there. After these men that were condemning her were, were out of the picture of the text and they are, they have left realizing their own guilt and that they are not worthy to condemn this woman because Jesus had outed them and showed them that they were guilty of the very things that they were condemning her of. This woman was still standing there. She was still standing there in this place of condemnation. This this place as if she's on trial, this place as if she was about to be executed. She's still standing there after her accusers were gone. And I think like that woman, many of us are still standing there in our place of condemnation long after the issues have passed, even long after people who, who we have wronged have, has, have forgiven us, we are still standing there. Even after God has forgiven us, we are still standing there. And that's a perfect picture of self-condemnation. It was no longer the men in the story that were condemning her. It was her standing there waiting to be condemned by God, by Jesus. And so we see her standing there and Jesus saying to her, woman, 
where are they? Has no one condemned you? Says as if Jesus has to say, snap out of it. Your accusers are gone. Get out of your place of condemnation. Now, why do, what are some of the, the, the things that make us stand in that place of condemnation? It may have been mistakes that we have made in life. You know, the King David talks about the sins of his youth in Psalm 25 verse 7 when he says to God, remember not the sins of my youth. So maybe you have done things in the past that you cannot seem to let go of because when you think on these things, you feel shame and condemnation. So things that we have done in the the past. And the Apostle Paul talks about being talking about his past, says he's the chief of sinners. So if you think you have the title of the chief of sinners, that you're the worst person that ever lived, that no one has done the bad things that you have done, I want to remind you that you don't have that title. Paul has that title. Paul declares himself the chief of sinners, yet... He was able to, to find forgiveness in Christ. That, that verse is found in 1 Timothy 1 15. So these, these, these stalwarts of the Bible, such as David and, and the apostle Paul, they made mistakes too, but they were able to take hold of the forgiven love of God and to let go of their condemnation. I will say to you today, it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how, how, how bad your past have been. God is not condemning you. You can find forgiveness and can let go of the wrongs that you have done. So it can be shameful mistakes that we have made, but it also can be how we were treated by early caregivers, how our early caregivers, our, our, our parents, our, our, our foster parents, how they treated us can, can leave us with this sense of condemnation where we are now adults, but we are still standing in that place of shame, unable to move on. Words spoken in anger can become like a curse over the life of a child and leave that child standing, still standing there in that place of condemnation, even as they go through adult life. And so we are to be careful to what we say in anger. So words like, what's wrong with you? And, and, uh, you, you're, you're good for nothing. And, and, and things that we say in anger, you will never amount to anything much. Parents even say those kind of things over children and it leaves children feeling condemned. The Bible tells us that death and the life is in the power of the tongue. And so we have to be, we should be careful of what we say because this can leave us, leave our children stuck in this place of condemnation. And then we wonder later on in life why they are not thriving, why they don't have confidence, why they're they're not taking on challenges. They are not taking on challenges. They are not thriving because they are stuck in this place of condemnation. 
Experiences early in life, such as bullying, can also leave us feeling in this place of condemnation. For many of you who were condemned by your peers, and you were the one that no one wanted to hang out with, and you were teased and ridiculed as a child, this can leave you stuck. And so if you're stuck in this place of condemnation, I want to remind you that Jesus is saying to you, that God is saying to you, why? are you standing there? Where are your accusers? Your accusers are no longer there. The, the, so those are the two types of condemnation. So we have the condemnation by others and we have the, the self-condemnation. But we also see in this passage the compassion of Jesus. The, the story tells us that Jesus straightened up. As he was beginning to talk to this woman, he straightened up. In other words, he was stooping, he was writing on the ground, and then he stood up to talk to her. I want to focus in on this, this that action of Jesus straightening up because there's a lot of, of, of good, good deep things that are involved in this. John Robert Seeley tells us in the, in the book, The Survey in the Life and Work of Jesus Christ, he said that Jesus was so embarrassed for this poor woman that he could not look her in the eye. He could not stand up to, 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 to look at this, the condemning atmosphere that was taking place when the Pharisees were there saying, this woman was caught in the very act. We caught her while she was doing it. And Jesus must have been so embarrassed for this woman and so embarrassed about the situation that he couldn't bear to stand, and so he stooped down. In Habakkuk 1 verse 13, we read these words, that the eyes of God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. What the Pharisees were doing was a wrongdoing. It was a grave sin, and Jesus could not stand to look on it. If John Robert Seeley is true in, in saying that this posture could have been caused by Jesus being overtaken with embarrassment and shame because of how they were treating this poor woman, then we can see that he could he could look at the woman caught in the act of adultery after they were gone, and he didn't have to turn his face away from her. He could look at her, but he could not face the hypocrisy and the condemning spirits of the self righteous religious people. And I think that's very powerful. Our self-righteousness and our hypocrisy is a bigger sin than the categories that we put people in. And so after they were gone, Jesus straightened himself up and he looked at her and he said, neither do I condemn you. And then he went on to tell this woman that she was to go away and leave her sin behind. And I think that is powerful because it shows a forgive, a merciful God. It shows a, a God that is quick to forgive and do not condemn. And I want to remind you today that God is not condemning you of your sins. Many of us talk about the God of the second chance. And I want to say God is not a God of second chances. God is a God of 77 chances, in other words, infinity, infinite 
an infinite number of chances as we find in Matthew 18 when Peter asked him how, how many times he should forgive his brothers and the number is infinite. infinite. So God is telling us we need to forgive like he forgives. He's not the God of second chance. He's the God of 77 chances. And if this woman had come back to him again, he would still have forgiven her. And so it's important for us to understand that God is a forgiving, merciful God. He's not condemning you for the things of your past. He's not standing there wanting to punish you. He's waiting in love to forgive you. If you missed the podcast that we did on the difference between shame and guilt, I would encourage you to listen to that podcast because there is more that I could say here, but I'm quickly out of time. And this podcast goes into detail to explain how you can let go of shame. So so thank you for listening to this episode of the Life Transformation Show. And so I want to remind you that you can find this podcast on our YouTube channel and you can contact us at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can or you can call us at one 544 And so until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counting Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.